Amen. Amen. Um, just a, a little bit on, uh, I don't I mean to be heavy here, but, you know, we had flags up in here and they're being repurposed in the church of places that we have actually been. And I myself, throughout the 90s, starting in, uh, I think my first trip was 1993 to Russia and Ukraine. I've been there 13 times over a 12-year period. I've been to Odessa. I've been to Kiev. I've been to east and western part of Ukraine preaching and small churches, having crusades. I've been all the way far south down to the Danube uh, River and Ismail. I've been in the Crimea, which in 2014 was taken over by Russian forces. And I know many of the missionaries there, and I, I've been in contact with a, a number of them. Uh, Russian Harvest Ministry, Peter Mel was a... Um, a dear friend, missionary, and brother in the faith, and we took many trips together, uh, did ministry even outside of Russia and Ukraine. And uh, his wife, he moved to heaven in 2017, but his wife, Jill, still carries on and moves forward with the kingdom of God there. But at the end of the service uh, here, I asked for a video from a Natasha. Natasha, I knew her when she was 16 years old, and God just gave her a tremendous anointing and grace to be able to interpret She's gone all over that country. She actually is from Russia. Her husband is from Ukraine. See, that's the problem. They're all intermixed. There's relatives. There's family members. That's why you saw that little grandmother chewing out those Russian soldiers, you know, and if you've seen that video, uh, it's just, they're just so connected. There's history there. And so this is demonic. This is evil. So there's a short clip. It's quite moving. Uh, I just asked that nobody would video. I don't want th that portion videoed. Uh, for her safety, she is in Chernigiv, and uh, I just got a text just a few minutes ago, just before worship here, that the Russian tanks have moved through their town, and she'll give us an update, and we're just going to spend a few moments uh, at the end, if that's okay, uh, just, just to pray for the nation that just God intervene, okay? It's dear in my heart. I know these people, and uh, I've spent many, many uh, 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 hours traveling with the missionary Peter Mel and Natasha with her husband and her being pregnant and climbing out of the van and preaching. I mean, it just, my heart goes out to them and they're, they're in a very, very uh, difficult situation. Amen, church? Amen. Well, let's take a moment and pray. And all those who tuned in from Facebook, God bless you and pray God's blessing over your life and pray that you would receive something today. Father, I humble myself before you. And I recognize that in and of myself, I have nothing good to say, but through the power of the Holy Spirit, I ask that you speak through me. Lord, give to your people what they need here today. It's in Jesus' name I pray. And everyone says, amen. I want to talk to you. This is a six-week in our series. Um, I don't have my confidence on it as I look back. And I want to talk to you about, uh, when we, we've been talking about destiny moments and and, and, you know, how do we understand the season that we're in, the Kairos moment? And um, uh, I've subtitled this Redeeming the Time, but I have a, a 1980s song. I only want to play 10 seconds. Now, how many of you are over 45? Let me see your hand. <laughs> you know, I was recently speaking. I did a, spoke to a bunch of college students just not long ago. And I said something about 9-11, like, hey, how many remember where you were at at 9-11? Now, those of us over 45, 50 know exactly where we are. They all just looked at me. <laughs> they were only 22 years old. <laughs> you know, they don't remember. 
And I thought about that. It was kind of a wake-up call for me to recognize, understand the audience who you're speaking to. Amen? So can you play this 10 seconds, and who could pick up the song? Who sang this? I was Cher. Uh, yes, my sister looked just like Cher with her black hair and Italian and anyhow. Turn back time. My text is Ephesians 5. Let me bring you back to the spiritual. See that some of you are like, yes, if I could turn back time. Uh, see then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. What? Come on, someone shout redeeming the time because the days are evil. Another translation says making the most of every opportunity. Colossians 4, 5 says walk in wisdom toward them that are without redeeming the time. What does that mean? That means God is concerned about the loss. Amen. So in both these passages, redeeming the time is referred to wisdom. Watch this in how we walk, in how you walk daily, how we live. To redeem something means to buy it back to buy it back. How many still with me say amen? To regain possession. How many know that time is a gift from God? And none of us know how much of it we are allotted. I knew a guy, and he was a sales rep. He would come in when I was involved in dry cleaning, and he would sell chemicals. Um, and uh, Laidlaw was the chemical company, and, and he was very successful. Made a lot of money, and he never darkened the door of a church we would witness to him there when he would come through, never care about anything about God. And we kept witnessing and witnessing. He's like, I got all the time. And then he was time to, for him to retire. And he said, he went to, you know, I was hurt. He said, I'm heading to Florida. So the last like nine months did he come in and like, I'm retiring. He knew every day, I'm, you know, I'm retired. I'm going to Florida. I'm going to live my life. He's like, well, what are you going to do that? I'm just going to just do all these things. But he kept rejecting God, rejecting the message and thought he had his whole life. I heard one week when he was in Florida, he walked across the street, a car hit him and killed him. <clears throat> Our life is a vapor. Some of you are wondering, maybe that story had a better ending. <laughs> it was not. We don't know how much time we have. Now, we live in this chronos time. We'll talk about that in a moment. But, but, but we don't know. And so time is a gift from God. And when God says that we should redeem the time, he wants us to live, watch us, in a constant, if I could say, there's awareness that the clock is ticking. Now, I don't mean that to, to you know, uh, put fear in you, but we need to make the most of time that God has given us. And uh, rather than waste our days in frivolous pursuits that leave no lasting imprint, Scripture instructs us to be diligent about doing good, Titus 3.8. Now, our text has been in Galatians 6.9. You can pull that up. So let us not get tired of doing what is good at just the right time. Somebody shout time. That's that word, keros. We've been talking about what that means, and I'll develop a little bit more of that. We will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. If we don't give up, amen. And so I said this, that I believe a keros moment is being manifest in our midst as a church uh, right now. And a keros moment in the Greek, actually, that word time means an opportune time. It is a, a fitting moment or season. It's different from chronos. Uh, that which just means a sequence of moments, but a carol's time, it is a pointed time, and, and we've seen God bring together this 
Kairos moment of our church and the launching of this building project. And, and who would have thought in a season like this, I wouldn't have done it. I would have planned it some other different time that was more convenient. But how many know God knows what he's doing? But here's the thing. God has a Kairos moment for every single one of you. He has a divine moment that he will interrupt your life if you're listening and sensitive to the Holy Spirit. He will bring that Kairos moment in your life. And Lord willing, next week, uh, uh, I'll talk about some real practical things that we could be doing, walking in obedience to, to experience that. So how many of you know there's, there's only 24 hours in the day? Some of you wish you had 26 hours, but... It's the same. Today's dawn until tomorrow's dawn, you have precisely a determined amount of time. I mean, we all do. It's the same. It's across the board. Someone has put it this way. Life is like a coin. You can spend it any way you want to, but you can only spend it once. Time is something we feel we never have enough of, yet we give it away so easily. I like this quote. Someone once said, you can pull it up. Time is free, but it's priceless. You can't own it, but you can use it. You can't keep it, but you can spend it. Once you've lost it, you can never get it back. Somebody say, man, oh me. And so we know that time is a precious commodity. We all want more. And the older you get, you want, well, what, what would I have done different? And how we use our time, uh, it's a precious commodity. Um, you know, I just want to speak to you, too, about regrets. Some of you are just thinking, wow, my life, wow, pastors talk about time and so many things, I have regrets, and, you know, really hearing the word preached, regrets, I, I really just live for myself, as so many people do, not thinking about eternal things and things that really matter, and I've been at the deathbed of a number of people that they've just lived for me, myself, and I, and in that moment, there's an awareness, there's an awakening here. My brothers and sisters, church, hear me. Don't live your life wasting it in that moment. Wake up. Wake up now. Wake up now to the things of God. And so you can look back. You can look back and say, you know what? To the best of the ability of the power of the Holy Spirit in me, I, I live my life for the Lord. Could have done more. Yes, all of us could. But, you know, we're not talking works here. We're just talking of a heart to serve the Lord. How many see that same man? So we know um, time. Uh, I've got the three Greek words here for time. They can pull up. Aeon, Kronos, and Kairos, and we've been talking about Kairos and Kronos, but Aeon is actually, it refers to an age, a cycle, or a season, or a span of time, uh, like a, a person's lifespan. Um, <clears throat> it has reference to an attorney forever. Matthew 12, 32 says, whoever speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven, but whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven, either in this age or in the age to come. And so there's a different meaning there for the word time. John 6, 51 says, I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. So that's where we get that word. Kronos time, as we know, uh, we talked about that we live in hours. We live in minutes and seconds. And, and uh, Acts uh, 1, 6 and 7 says this. So when they had come together, they asked the Lord, uh, will you at this time, watch this, restore the kingdom of Israel? He said unto them, which I think is always interesting because, you know, you can, how many know that we can go from one ditch of pursuing, you know, the end times prophetic, when this is going to happen, when that's going to happen, and uh, how many know we could be wrong? <laughs> we can miss it. 
Jesus said this, it is not for you to know the times, chronos or seasons, that your father has fixed by his own authority. Mm. Now, that doesn't mean we stick our head in the sand. How many know we look around and we go like, wow, we know we can know the season we're in. This is serious. Okay. But to predict things and say at such and such time, in 60 days, this is going to happen. Listen, you better have a direct connection to God to know that, or you better be quiet. I can remember, actually, a dear brother who uh, was very high in craftsmen in Ukraine. He was, a, he was a leader in one of the churches. He had a lot, of, a lot of energy, but he would build these opulent, beautiful doors of just real uh, hardwood and like carvings and it's like amazing, like for church buildings. And, and he was good at that. Well, he thought he was a prophet. And uh, I remember Pete, <laughs> Peter just saying, he says, he feels he has a word. That, you know, world war is going to take place. This is back in the 90s. And, 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 and then he said, but, but an earthquake, a major earthquake is going to hit all of Ukraine. And he knew the day and the time. Like, well, he's got it right or he's got it wrong, right? <laughs> and so I remember Pete saying, don't say nothing. Did he listen? No. He published it in the paper. He published, you know, what's going to happen? The day came. <laughs> Anyhow, <clears throat> chronos, time. It's what we live in, days, hours. We live in a time-based world, a chronos world. And, and, so, and then we've talked about Kairos time. It's the most interesting, uh, this word. It doesn't refer to hours, minutes, days, years, but it's, it's, it speaks to something significant that happens. Uh, I've shared a little bit of this, but I'll a little elaborate. When the Japanese bombed Pearl Harbor, December 7th, 1941, there was a careless moment. It wasn't that God orchestrated, but it's something that is in, in burned in the minds of the people at that time. Roe versus Wade, January 22nd, 1973, opened up abortions. It's a careless moment. 9-11, 2001 was a careless moment in our history 21 years ago. I think another careless moment was this reckless withdrawal by the administration of our U.S. forces in Afghanistan and leaving billions of dollars of equipment there. Anyhow, moving along, the freedom truckers in Canada taking a stand. It's a careless moment. Russia attacking Ukraine right now is a careless moment. It really is. And so careless time is not hours, minutes, or days, but they are times of significance. Can we say that? Say times of significance. It's where history is made. Destiny is determined. And life is not the same after that. And that can be a good thing or that can be a bad thing. All right? And so in the Bible, the word is used of occasions when God steps into time and space and God does something incredible. And hear me, God wants to step into your chronos world and do something incredible, but you gotta be listening. You gotta be awake. You have to have eyes wide open, ears listening. Can you say amen? How many know like in the, in the Old Testament, the Red Sea was a Kronos moment. When the walls of Jericho came down, a Kronos, uh, excuse me, a Kairos moment. Uh, Paul's conversion experience on the road to Damascus and the bright light, and he was blinded. And that was a, a Kronos moment. And the cross, the resurrection. How many of you know when your spouse finally comes to Christ and they're born again and they love the Lord and they get passionate about spiritual things? That's a, that's a Kairos moment, amen? And there's an awakening for spiritual things, and your child is radically saved. You've been praying for years. They come to Christ. Somebody shared with them, and wow, they know the Lord. How many with me say amen? You're healed, and God does something in your spirit man or spirit woman, and he touches you, and you can remember exactly when it happened, where you were at, 
That is a Kairos moment. That's the God we serve. Can somebody say amen? So these moments, they happen in history. They happen in nations. Uh, They happen in a church. And we are experiencing that. And they can happen in your life individually. But the question is, how can you discover these moments, these Kairos moments, and this kind of, how can we recognize them in this Kronos world? And we'll develop this, Lord willing, a little bit next week as we conclude in this series. But I just want to talk to you about the Kronos world. It's where uh, you know, our life just ticks away, and it's it just ticking, ticking, time, time, and next thing you know it, where did the last 20 years go? <laughs> the older you get, the more you wonder that. When you're in your 20s, you don't wonder about that. You just think, I got my whole life ahead, 30s. I got my whole life ahead, 40s. Where's my life gone? <laughs> and, you know, it just, it just goes on, and, and then you look back, and you think, what have I done with the last 20 years? Sobering. Sobering, especially for people at my age, you know, 50s. It's very sobering, it's a, it, you know, and you wonder. Uh, you know, even for you young people, one day you're mad at your parents because you have house rules. And you got to do chores. And what's the thing? I can't wait to get 18 and get out of the house. I, I can't wait to get 18 I'm getting out of the house. Come on now. <laughs> Right? I said it too. I went in the Marines. But, you know, and next thing you know, you're on your own. You're out of the house. You're in college or you're, you're enlisted in the military or, then, or maybe you're married or you got a job. Oh, then you have your first baby. Come on, somebody. Before you know it, you have another baby. Then the kids, you're dealing with kids and all of that. Next thing you know, uh, you know, how do I parent these teens? How do I, I don't understand these hormones, what's going on. And, and, and then, you know, then they leave you, the kids. Some of them come back and they bring peace in your heart. Thank you, Mariah. <laughs> I love Mariah. She's just there. <clears throat> so you got to ask yourself, what does your life look like? And has it passed you by or is it passing you by? These are sobering questions. And, and, and all of us, you know, we would say, well, we have some regrets. But the good news is, here's the thing. If you get anything out of this message, you can start today. Amen. <laughs> you can start today. Amen. Feel like my life's been a waste and, you know, whatever. And I, I just think of, Dear Kathleen here, I'm going to pick on Kathleen. She's going, oh, God. Kathleen, all right, is a young woman of God here, but she has been uh, overseas. She has been to Japan. She, and, 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 and I don't know if you've done trips or missions before you came to Harvest or whatever. I don't know. She could maybe give a testimony of that, but she jumped in this woman, all right? And she would take her luggage and her passport. Sometimes she would lose that, but, you know, she would just, <laughs> where's Kathleen's passport? And, but, but she was a trooper and out there and preached. And there was time to send her on a train with someone else in Japan. And the trains in Japan, if you get in the wrong train, we may not find you for 100 years. <laughs> it almost happened with my wife and I. I think, is this the train? Is whatever? And Rhonda jumped in, and the doors were closing, and it came, no. And I just thought, I pulled the door open, and I pulled her out, because she would have been an old lady the next time I saw her. <laughs> I'm like, she's just going around under, I know, where, where do I find you? Where are you at? Anyhow, I don't know how I got off on that, but... What a trooper, you know, all the mission trips and things she has taken advantage of those 
Carol's destiny moments. And so uh, Titus 1.3, Titus 1.3, you can pull that up. At now, just the right time, Carol's God has revealed this message, which he announced to everyone, is by the command of God, our Savior, that I have been entrusted with this work for him. And I take that even as a pastor personally, that I've been commanded of God and entrusted to preach and teach the word of God here. And, and God has called us to raise up leaders within this church that also can preach and teach and minister and love on. And so I believe that's really for all of us to a word. And so here's the thing. Carol's time has no past, no present, no future. It's based around significance. And so, so the question is, and how do you, how do you discover these Carol's moments? How do you discover uh, these times? And even though we live in a Kronos world where it's day in, day out, we've got to make the donuts, you know, we go to work and we do all those things. How do we discover? How do we experience? How do we intersect when God steps in or wants to in our life? How do we not miss that moment? Are you with me this morning? And so let me throw up, and this is quite convicting, what I'm going to throw up. It was convicting even to me. According to a study in U.S. News in a lifetime, the average American will spend Six months sitting at stoplights. It may be more in an inner city. Eight months opening up junk mail email. <laughs> this is painful. One year looking for misplaced objects. Some of you, it's a few. Some of you, it's a little bit longer. Okay. Okay. Uh, two years unsuccessfully returning phone calls or waiting on hold. My wife would say that's probably about five. Four years doing housework. Five years waiting in line. Six years eating me maybe a little bit more, 18 years working, 23 years sleeping, nine years watching TV or playing video games. Somebody shall redeem the time. The Bible says in Ecclesiastes 3, 4, and 1, there is a time for everything and a season for everything under the heavens. And it goes on to be a time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, a time to uproot, a time to kill, a time to heal, a time to tear down, a time to build, a time to weep, and a time to laugh, a time to mourn, and a time to dance. God wants us to be awakened that we redeem the time before us. Everything has a time, and time is important because uh, we're so locked into it. Uh, you know, we know the farmer, he plants in season or should, and we work during the week and add salt to the softener, come on, and shovel snow and, you know, change the filter, change the oil in the car, you should, every three to 4,000 miles. <clears throat> then we come to church on Sunday. How many with me say amen? <clears throat> but God transcends time. Yeah. Now watch this. Watch this, 2 Peter 3.8. Do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a 1,000 years, and a 1,000 years is like a day. <clears throat> so I, I, I mentioned it a few weeks ago, but I thought I'd break that down, a 1,000 years to a day. One hour to God is about 41.7 years to us, just an hour. So basically, your life is about just a couple hours. <laughs> I mean, if God took a nap for two hours, you could be born and die. And uh, what, Who was that? <laughs> I'm just being facetious. How many understand what I'm saying? God's outside of time, all right? And this is a frustrating thing for us because we want him to do it now. My life's taken away. Listen, Moses didn't even start his ministry to his 80. That's right. 40 years, you think, 40 years? Probably a day to God. 40 years in the backside of the desert, sheep. Then all of a sudden, a Kairos moment happens. He sees a burning bush, and he wonders, what is up with that? 
Why is the bush burning, but it's not burning? It's not being consumed. And he goes, and God speaks to him in that moment. Listen, God has a curious moment for every single one of you. Let me just get a show of hands. I've been teaching on this now for five weeks. How many know what I'm talking about when I talk about a Kairos moment? Can I see your hand? How many, put your hands down, and I want you to hold your hand up, and if it's so, you've actually know what I'm saying, like Pastor Mike, yes, I have had a Kairos moment, and I will never forget it. Let me see your hand. All right, look around. That's a good part of the church. For the rest of you, God has that for you. I said, God has that for you. Can you say Amen. And so the Bible says um, John the Baptist proclaimed the moment when the Messiah was coming. And he used this word. I don't have this on the slide, but it's just in Mark 1.15 saying that the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. And, and I remember studying in Bible school in Texas and the professor saying that it talked about Kairos and that word time. He said it means at the right time, the exact time. See, Jesus didn't just pop on the scene in history. No, he came at the right time knowing the Roman Empire would be in authority and knowing that they could translate the language into Greek and Hebrew and knowing that that it could expand throughout all the region there. So it was the right time. Jesus came right Kairos time. What does that mean? God has significant moments for each and every one of us at the right time. But we get frustrated and we want it now, or we're not seeing it. And that hence goes back to our text in Galatians, be not weary in doing well. For in good due season, you shall reap. Can you say amen? And so I'm almost finished here. And so here's the thing. Uh, <clears throat> you can find Kairos moments in this Kronos world if you are listening. If you are listening. God has these Kairos moments for you. And I want to encourage you, don't despise the times, and I speak to myself in this because I get frustrated too, when God does not seem to meet your time frame. This whole church building was, you know, before this happened was a very difficult, challenging thing for my wife and I. We felt is never going to happen. We actually made an announcement back in November of 2019. We couldn't do it. Some of you were here. How many remember that service? November 24th. We can do it. It was, huh? I left church that day really discouraged. Like I left like this, what am I, you know, because God is a moving spirit. And I figured, he, I know he gave us the land. He, he, you know, we raised some funds. Why? And then in the worst part of an economy that you could ever do anything, supply chain, everything, God said, now, and, but I'm going to provide the funds too. <laughs> Hallelujah. God knows the right time. He knows the right time. I have this on a point. Today, this Kairos God, I believe, is calling you to step out of your Kronos life to join him in his Kairos moment. What does that mean? God is calling us to step out of our little bubble. Amen. Did he actually say that? Yes, I did. Because you know what? We get so consumed with our schedule. Come on, now there's, and, and for this, I'm a scheduling person. My wife's a really good scheduler, and she helps me get scheduled. I like things, though, to know what's ahead. Uh, but many of you, you, you schedule things, and that's important, and I think that's diligence, and that's wise leadership. Uh, but you know what? How many know we need to make time for God? You have to make time for God. Spend time for the, with the Lord. And it's just not like a microwave heat up that, 
you know, hot water and lemon. Come on, amen, it's done, now I'm ready to, no. It takes time, and, 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 and see, you have to look at the Lord as not just someone that you kind of, you know, gimme, give gimme, give my name is Jimmy, you know, and I need from you, Lord. No, it's your, he's your friend, he's your father, he's the king, he's God Almighty, and you're communing with him. Amen? Uh, I wonder if I'm hitting home here. <clears throat> you know, Romans uh, chapter 8, verse 8 talks about having a, a, a self-centered person cannot please the Lord. Ouch. And I don't mean this to be mean, but, you know, we all have to fight off self-centeredness, especially men. Most, I mean, not saying women can't be, but, I mean, from a guy's say, I'll be the first in front of line in front of all of you. I can be self-centered. It's about me, my feelings. I'm hurt. So everyone else now has to cowtail to my head. Hey, listen, you know, there's times I've been broken, hurt, full of pain, and I can still be loving to others. Come on, get out of my self-centeredness. Can I get an amen? <laughs> Are you there this morning? <clears throat> but here's the thing. You've got to be willing. You've got to be obedient. And I think of Esther. Pull up that verse, if you would, please. Esther 4.14. The thing is being willing, obedient. If you look at Esther, a young lady whose beauty placed her in the position of royalty, enabled her to save her people. And notice what the verse says. For if you keep silent, Mordecai instructs her at this moment. Why was she going to keep silent? Because she's going to be killed. If you go before the king, if you do anything and not be an ass, they will kill you. Okay? They will kill you. He said, if you keep silent at this time, relief, this is what I think is just prophetic, relief and deliverance will rise for the Jews from another place. I don't, I don't want you to miss your destiny moment. Come on now. I, 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 don't, I don't want to miss the destiny moment. Not for your life, not for my life. But you and your father's house will perish. Wow. Who knows whether you have not come to the kingdom for such a time as this. It is not an accident that you're born. It's not an accident that you're alive today in this season. You may be no good 100 years ago, but right now you're the best. You're the best that God has for you right now. God said, I want you born at this time because I need you in this season. Stand with me if you would, please. We live in a Kronos world. So how do we find these Kairos moments? Disassociate ourselves from the mundane, day in and day out, the drudgery of life, and be a part of something great, what God is doing, something significant, something eternal. We should always make a point to live our days looking for the divine moment, those supernatural times when God intersects our life. I don't know when that is for your life personally. I know as a church, we are living it right now. We really are. But I know this, that if God in his gracious and loving kindness has poured that out on this church and you are the church, he'll do it for you in your life personally. And you need to expect it. You need to have eyes wide open with expectant heart saying, you know what? We are, in a, we are in a chaos moment and God is going to move. He's going to move in our life. Uh, let me just conclude with this. Perception is a huge part of discovering that, the, those incredible moments. Um, you know, taking the opportunities, uh, you know, being sensitive 
come on now, to the Holy Spirit. There's a true account about Charles Francis Adams. He was the son of President John Quincy Adams and grandson of President John Adams. So he kept a diary. And this convicts me because I remember this moment even as a kid. It says, one day he entered in his diary. He said, I went fishing with my son today, a day wasted. So he wrote in his diary. But his son, Brooke Adams, also kept a diary, which actually is still in existence today, and you can pull this up. He said, on the same day Brooke Adams made this entry, went fishing with my father, the most wonderful day of my life. I can remember I was about somewhere around 10 years old, 8 to 10, and my dad had a 1960s Dodge van that he would take to go to the plant and dry clean that he owned and pick up clothes. And it was a, a shifting on the column. Um, now they're rarity, but you know, you're cool if you have one of those, but it was a jalopy. But I would always jump up and, you know, want to go to work. And there was times that with him and there was times that he would take off and I overslept or whatever and I would be, be crying looking through the glass because I, I missed just going with him. He wasn't this nurturing guy and, you know, no, not being condescending, but just my dad, just a driver. And, and but I just, if I could just be there with him, come on somebody, and, and just, just, you know, be there. And typically I could get a lunch somewhere at McDonald's or something. He would, dad, I'm hungry. He always, you know, he was generous that way. He was very, my dad was very generous in, in that. And just, you know, it, it, but anyhow, without getting all of that, I can remember him being just frustrated a lot, angry a lot. But there was this time that he he pulled off, and we were somewhere in the South Shore. I can't tell you exactly where it was at Rockland, somewhere in between. And it was in the afternoon. He was way, way home, and and he just pulls the van off, and he he gets out. He says, "Let's go." And he had a fishing rod, and uh, never did this before. My dad never happened again. And he started fishing in the stream that he heard that there was trout. And uh, he caught, he was catching some trout. So it's like his countenance began to change. And I was thinking, wow, this is a, a great moment with my dad. And I just, I just never forget it and how uh, just the perception in that moment, what was happening. And I remember him catching some fish and then he would string them through the, the gills and, and he stuck it in the, in the ground and the fish stayed in the water. I don't know you fishermen know that. I'm not a fisherman, but he stayed there. And then all of a sudden, I noticed, I said, Dad, it was a huge snapping turtle, bit on the fish and was eating the trout. And so he pulled the fish and the, the snapper was still on it. So he pulled it out. It was like, it was the most exciting time for me that I've ever experienced with my dad. He was happy and we were, you know, bang that thing off and watch out for the mouth. And, you know, and it was the greatest time in my life. But he didn't, in the moment, he was what am I trying to say? Every head bowed, please. There's a song, Open My Eyes, Lord. I want to see Jesus. We miss these moments. And many of us were so occupied. Young parents, I know it's frustrating at times. It's very hard. You feel like you're being stretched like a rubber band. The kids pull on you. They demand miss the moments, the times with them.
the impartation. Never did my kids in the proper right time that was suitable for me come to me and say, Dad, can we talk? I was thinking, you know what? I had that scheduled on my calendar and I knew you were going to come at that time. No, it's always an inconvenient time. Just for some reason. I think about that and I think about these moments. I think about how the sun writes in the most wonderful day of my life. The Father wants to spend time with you. I don't mean this mean or heavy or legalistic, but God is searching. He's looking. Have you felt, you know what, just the busyness and the activity and the noise, your spirit is agitated. You wonder why God is just drawing you to him, saying, I'm here. I'm here. Redeeming the time. Redeeming the time. As we conclude, the most important thing, those of you here with the head bow, you say, Pastor, I haven't even taken the first step. I haven't even... I look back at my life and I... Wow. Time. Time has gone by. Time is slipping by. I feel like I don't have a grasp on my life. You need Jesus. And I don't mean that as just a cliche. You need Christ in your life. You need to be born again. You need... You need to invite him in your life. You say, yes, you're ready for that. Salvation is free, but it's a very costly gift. But you must make a decision by your free will to invite Christ in your life. That's you here today. You can just softly pray as I lead us in a prayer. You can receive Christ. You can be born again. And I know I usually ask the congregation to join in just to, uh, with. It doesn't mean they're all getting saved. It means for those of you here that are ready and are willing at this time, this Kairos moment, for you to come to Christ, whether you're watching online or you're here presently. If that's you, pray with me. Say this. Say, Jesus, forgive me of my sin. Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for my sin. Jesus, I give you my life. Now take it. Thank you for saving me. I will serve you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Friends, if you prayed that, it meant that God meant that. We want to help you on your journey. We want to help you grow in your faith. And as I really believe, because of the amazing people God has placed and continue to add to Church for the Harvest, there are healthy, there are healthy husbands and and fathers and moms and wives and grandparents here. There are healthy families here to help strengthen you in your journey. Just because you have a problem doesn't mean you're unhealthy. We all face difficulty. Amen? But wow, what a tremendous blessing it is when we have someone there with us coming alongside.